Uh, they do this all the time on Sunday. Pastor, you don't have a battery in there. Pastor, you don't have a battery. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus one more time, come on, I'm so glad. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Satan had me bound, I don't know about you. Satan had me bound. Well, now Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Singing glory. Glory, hallelujah. Singing glory, hallelujah. Singing, singing. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. To the president of, of this great school that I've had the privilege of being a part of for many, many years, to Chaplain Corey, who said that I said I would accept $100,000 to be here, to faculty, students, and to the entire Eastern Nazarene College family, um, I am on my way to a men's retreat, and I needed to make sure that I was right and ready and prepared to come to Eastern Nazarene before I leave. I'm leaving Boston to go to New Jersey to be at a place where hundreds of men will be worshiping the Lord and waiting on Him to do something miraculous in their lives. So this is just preparation. Praise team. team. Wow, 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 wow. I'm taking that worship with me. I don't have a title for what it is that God has placed on my heart. 
I do know that I told our chaplain to give me my time down, 10 minutes and 5 minutes when I need to conclude. But I want to walk in and share something with you about what God is doing in my life and also in the lives of a number of Christians all over the city of Boston, all over New England and around the world. Father, we thank you so much for what you're about to do. God, for those students who are sleeping, wake them up. Father, for those students who have their minds on the fact that they didn't prepare for the next class, oh God, uh, touch their lives. God, for students, faculty members, staff, all who are struggling, the enemy is trying to distract them, God, bring them here. And Father, we pray for your peace as we keep our minds focused on you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and we all say, Amen. Bill Hybos, the pastor of Willow Creek uh, Church in, uh, in Chicago. He said that the local church, not he said the local church is the hope of the world. I don't know if you believe that, but I believe it. The local church is the hope of the world. In 1988, I wasn't kicked out of my church at 12 Baptist, but I was commissioned. I was the youth pastor, and they commissioned me to go into Boston, into the neighborhood, and be a missionary to children and youth in the city of Boston. I didn't understand what that meant, but I was about to understand. During the 90s in Boston, we were losing 150 and 160 teenagers to youth violence. Every year, kids would die. And God sent me to a place where young people hung out. He sent me to the Shavu roller skating rink in Mattapan. I don't know if you've ever been to Shavu, but when I went there in 1988, they called it Pistol City. When we left that ministry, they called it a place of peace. And all of this is documented in books and, and numerous articles. But in 1993, after four years at Shebu, God called me out of the skating rink ministry and he called me into a place called Dorchester Temple Baptist Church in Codman Square, right in Dorchester. And there we established a ministry. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it reads, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Do they say that about you when you step into town? Acts chapter 17, verse 6, King James Version, they said, These that have turned the world upside down have also come here. Well, little did the church members know at Dorchester Temple, little did the, the residents and the business establishment in Carbon Square know that the brother that God was using to turn the world upside down had landed in Dorchester. And when we came to Dorchester, we decided that we were going to declare 10 blocks around our church as gang, drug, and crime free. It's easy to say it, but how do you achieve it? Gang, drug, and crime-free when the drug dealers were controlling the corners in 1993 in the city of Boston. And so what we decided to do was to do what your praise team did. We would walk through the neighborhood, 10 blocks around the church, and we would have prayer meetings at different parts of the neighborhood. Well, there's a place called Roberts Park on Washington Street, four blocks from the church. And in Washington's park, the families no longer would bring their children into the park because the drug dealers stood at the front entrance of the park 
People would phone in their drug orders, people would drive by, give them their drugs, and they would keep going. We decided that we would walk 10 blocks around the church, and we went to Robert's Pot, and when they were selling their drugs, we were having a prayer meeting. And when we had the prayer meeting, the cars slowed down and went the other way. Guess who got ticked? The drug dealers. But the Bible says that they said about Paul, those who have come here have turned the world upside down. When, when God, has, God has a purpose and a plan for you, when he sends you into a place, onto a mission, onto a, an assignment, we're supposed to touch people's hearts with the love of Jesus Christ and change the place where God has sent us. And so we received word that one of the drug dealers said that if we continue to walk and disrupt their business, that they would shoot a pastor. And so we decided to answer that by saying publicly on WEZE radio that we were going to have a camp out in front of the park for three days. We were going on Friday, sleep, camp out in the streets. We were going camping out all day Saturday, and we were going to go on Sunday morning. You should have seen us with our sleeping bags and our barbecue pits and our charcoal. And people heard about this from all over New England, and people started coming in from the suburbs. And so it went from just 10 of us to 30 and 40 of us in the front of the park, sleeping out there and having a great time for three days. Guess what? It cleaned up the park. Amen, somebody. What we were doing is that we earned the right to be heard in that neighborhood. And this summer, we're going to go to some scriptures in a moment, but this summer, we decided that we were going to do something different. We decided to be change agents in our neighborhood. And every Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning, we would go to the local courthouse, stand in front of the courthouse, and as people were walking into the courthouse to have their cases heard, they had to get by five of us. And we would ask people, could we pray for you? 99% of the people said, including employees, please pray for me. You should have seen the people when they came out of the court, standing on the top of the stairs, looking at us, having met us for the first time, and saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We also decided on Friday nights to take our prayer meeting outside. We took our prayer meetings to the neighborhood and we would go door to door knocking on the neighborhood, on the neighbor's doors and people would open their doors and invite us in to pray with them. God is doing a miraculous thing. A community, a city, and a nation will change when people change. The only way people will change is if we bring the gospel to them where they are and proclaim who Jesus is. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to give you a little proof of this. Look, turn to Luke chapter 19, if you will. Luke chapter 19. I have my eyes on some of you. Luke chapter 19. And it's the story of a young man by the name of what? Zacchaeus or Zacchae, whatever you want. Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was of my stature. That's why I like him. 
The Bible says, and you'll see as we go along, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and he was wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a Bruce man, I mean a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore and a fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse number 5 is an important verse in this text because verse 5 says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Tax collector Zacchaeus, in order for him to climb a sophisticated wealthy man climbing a tree to see Jesus meant that the Holy Spirit was beginning to do something in his life because tax collectors didn't do that. But not only did he climb a sycamore tree, look at verse number 5 again. If you have your pens and your pencils and it's your Bible, you want to underline verse number 5 because verse number 5 says something to me. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Jesus knows where you are and Jesus knows what's going on in your heart. Here's Zacchaeus up in a tree. Jesus walks, looks up. In essence, I know where you are. And I want you to know today that Jesus knows where you are. I want you to know today that Jesus knows where you're hurting. I want you to know that Jesus knows how you struggle. Amen, somebody? But then it says, so he came down at once, a tax collector, wealthy tax collector, being obedient to Jesus. The Holy Spirit was moving in his heart. And the Bible says, so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Wow. Now, let's look at Jesus' mission statement at the end. And I just have one more thought. All the people saw this and began, they began to mutter. He has gone to be a guest of the sinners. Verse number, verse number 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possession to the poor, and if, and if I had cheated anybody out of anything, that's like going to somebody and saying, If I have offended you. Well, if you have to go to them, you know you offended them. If I have cheated, Zacchaeus, you know that you have cheated. His heart had changed. And watch what happens. He says, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You do not pay back four times the amount. If you think you have cheated anybody, you pay them four times because you know that you have done it. God is doing the work in his life. And many of the people that God's going to call you to, by the time you approach them, God is already going to have done a work in their lives. The bottom line is we just need to approach them. The bottom line is we just need to go where they are. And so many of you are here at Eastern Nazarene College. Some of you are here because you've got a great scholarship. Some of you are here because you just wanted your parents to pay the tuition. Some of you are here because you believe that this is the place where God has called you. And some of you are here acting like you're not walking with Christ. Or maybe you're not walking with Christ, but you're here for a reason. And God is going to meet you right where you are. And God is going to do such a work in your life. Amen, somebody? Now look at what happens to him. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, Here's Jesus' mission statement. For the Son of Man came to what? For the Son of Man came what? 
For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus' mission statement and the mission statement of our church is to reach the lost for Christ, create a Christian community where believers can heal, mature, and walk in wholeness. What I came to share with you today is essentially this. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Okay, I don't know what the time is. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to put you to one more. Go to 2 Corinthians. And go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just one more. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in church... Are you there? I'll read it again. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in church... They are a new creation. What? What? Pardon me? What does it say? If anyone is in church, they're a new creation, right? What? Excuse me. No. I'm the guest speaker. Don't. <laughs> no. No. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, amen somebody, not in the denomination, not in the choir, not in the title, but if anyone is in Christ's condition, they are a, how many new creations do I have in here? Yes. I love it. It says the old is gone and the new has come. And when I was growing up in Boston, I never thought that I was going to reach age 16. I thought I was going to die in the streets of Boston, so I lived my life like, hey, I'm going to die. Let me enjoy myself. And then when I turned age 18, I had not prepared. I was lost. Anybody identify with that? But the Bible says um, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All of this is from God. Thank you, God who reconciled us to himself. When I became 18, I believed in Jesus and my life changed. I became a new creation. Reconciled us to himself, to Christ, and he has given us the ministry of... I said he has given us... In my church tradition, I'm used to people talking. He has given to us the ministry of... Everybody in this place who is a Christian believer... You don't necessarily have to, well, be careful with that wall. Every Christian is a minister. Amen, somebody. Every Christian. You don't have to. If you're ordained, great. But even before you're ordained, the Bible says that you are a minister of reconciliation. It says that God is making his appeal right through, right through you. And so what I want to say today, as I get ready to wind down and close, is that God has opened a tremendous opportunity for you to be at a tremendous college. And the Holy Spirit is moving on this campus, just like the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way many years ago when many of us from the city were involved at Eastern Nazarene College. And some of you right now might be saying things, doing things, into things that you know does not honor the living Lord. But you know what? You are still a minister of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation. And God wants to reach lost people right through you. Are you ready for that?
Billy Graham and Nikki Cruz used to go to make auditoriums and coliseums and preach to 45 and 65,000 people. That was unbelievable back then. But God has just given us in Boston and at our church a brand new vehicle to be ministers of reconciliation, reaching the lost for Christ. God gave us our own internet, satellite, Ustream TV, and AM radio station where we are reaching 480 million people every time we're on our microphones. And the door has been opened for us to begin to train young people in Boston, to train young people from the streets, and to train folks how to sit behind a microphone and speak truth to power. And my challenge for you today at Eastern Nazarene College, that God is going to open doors for you and you need to be ready when the door is open so that God can use you when you're walking through the neighborhood. So that God can use you when you travel to that youth retreat and you only went on the youth retreat because you were bored so you left the campus to travel with your friends. But the person who responded to you when you were singing or when you were there, the person who responded to you wants to hear from you. Are you ready? Some of you are going to return back to your churches. Are you ready? God's opening a door for us to be ministers of reconciliation. God is opening the, a door for him to use you with the message of reconciliation. God wants to use you to change not only your campus, but to change your world. Are you ready for this? Let's do this. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? And I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you. I don't know how many seconds we have, but we'll do it this way. I believe that God has allowed me to be with you today to remind you of your mission, the great commission, to go into the world and make disciples. We're doing that now at our church like we've never done it before. We don't even, we don't even have to leave the four walls of the church, and we do and millions of people are watching and listening, the many people who are broadcasting. Right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. And the Holy Spirit is calling you from where you were when you came into the chapel to where God wants you to be. Are you ready to step into that? With your eyes closed, I would like to just pray with you before I leave this campus and travel to New Jersey for my conference. I would like to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for you and you're willing to step into it. In spite of all the things you've been going through, in spite of all the things you may have done, in spite of the indifference or in spite of um, all the excitement that you have for Christ, God wants to do a work in you. And I would like to leave here knowing that he deposited something into your life through us being together. So if that's you, if you want to make a difference in the 10 block area of your neighborhood, if you want to make a difference somewhere in the world, if you want to make a difference in your dorm room, if you want to make a difference in your class, if you want to make a difference on this campus, if you want to make a difference in the lives of your family members, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seats and I'm going to ask you to come forward and I'm going to say a prayer for all of you and I'm going to believe that God is going to touch somebody and change somebody's life for eternity. 
Father, touch.